Welcome to Birth Mothers Amplified, giving a voice to the women behind adoption. Hosted by Emma and Mathani. Welcome back, everyone. Episode three is here, which is wild. Uh, Super excited. I'm Mathani. I'm Emma. Hi, Emma. And today we're joined by Ashley, who is a birth mom. Yeah, so before introducing Ashley, I want to give everyone a sneak peek about what today's episode is going to be about. So a couple things we're going to touch on. We're going to talk about closed adoption. We're going to talk about joining the adoption community as a caseworker. And then we're also going to be talking about what it's like to get married and have more children after placement. So thank you, Ashley, for being here with us today. Absolutely. Thank you all for having me. I'm super excited. Ashley, you've been a birth mom for 14 years now. You're married. You have one daughter and another on the way. Super exciting. We are on a countdown now, about two weeks, maybe. We'll see. Yay. Love. So exciting. You love health and wellness, especially running. You've done two marathons and one ultra relay. Makes me tired just thinking about <laughs> just it. Just thinking about it. <laughs> you love your family, obviously, and a vodka soda. So. Sim- yeah. Simple woman. That's your Who likes choice. to run. So yeah. 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 Hey, I have to run in order to drink. So. Yeah, there you go. It's a trade-off. It's a trade-off. I gotta save the calories somewhere. And then also, Ashley, obviously you're a birth mother, but something I already mentioned, you are also a caseworker and uh, within the adoption realm for an agency. And you actually have used to be a caseworker for birth parents and now adoptive parents. So you have a really unique perspective. And before giving too much more away of your story, Go ahead and set the stage for us of where you were at right before you found out you were pregnant, where you were at in life. Okay, sure. So I was, um, I was a senior in high school. It was not something that I had planned at all for my life or my story or for my family either. I am from Texas. I, I guess, lived kind of in a small town. I mean, I don't think it's small, but <laughs> if you don't live there, um, a lot of people think it's small. It's a fairly close-knit community. Um, I was in high school. I was on volleyball team. I had already applied to college, and I believe at that time I had already been accepted to college also when I found out I was pregnant too. So in my mind, I kind of had the next four years or the next, you know, nine months kind of like all mapped out for what my plan would look like. So Mm -hmm. things took a little bit of a detour kind of. Yeah. 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 So at what point during your senior year of high school did you find out you were pregnant? It was in the late fall. So it was after Thanksgiving, early December of that year. It was before Christmas. So how did you find out you were pregnant? Were you just waiting for your next period to start? When, When did you realize Oh, shoot. (laughs) Well, I was kind of waiting and waiting for the next period to start. Um, And so I had not really shared that with, I mean, any of my girlfriends at all. It was early December. We were um, on a Spanish club trip in San Antonio. And I confided um, in two of my girlfriends, hey, um, I think I could be pregnant. I have not started my period. And so they said, well, I mean, we can stop at Walmart and we can take a pregnancy test. So I said, okay, well, let's do it. And I did, and I was pregnant. So we were all kind of shocked at that point. Yeah. So yeah. I went home and... Did you tell the birth father right away? Did you tell your family right away? What was kind of your thought process? 
I don't remember when I told the birth father. I think it was pretty early on, though. Um, on my family, I waited. I already kind of knew in my mind when I was even thinking, okay, I mean, what's going on? I could be pregnant. I'd already thought, okay, if I am, and it's worst case scenario, I'm going to make an adoption plan for this child regardless. That is just what's going to happen. And that was something that was already super familiar to me. My mom was adopted um, and all of her siblings were as well. It was just something I knew was a beautiful way to create a family. It was just normal and familiar to me. And my reasons, you know, like at that time I was in high school, I did not have my own income. I was not in a relationship with the father of the child. You know, I did not have a college education. I did not have, I did not have all of the things I would have wanted in order to parent this child successfully. You know, I had a great family, you know, a very supportive family, but for me, she would have had a good life if she stayed with me, but not a great life. And I wanted her to have, have much more than I could give her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you waited to tell your family for a little while to figure out this adoption yeah. plan. So, I mean, at 17 years old, I mean, did you just pick up the phone and call whatever phone number you could find? How did you begin that process without, you know, other people helping you? Like in my mind, before I told my family, I wanted to have some type of plan in place so I could at least show I was being responsible in some aspect of things, kind of. I had a girlfriend who she, I think, had gone to this pregnancy resource center in town. So I ended up going there. I was able to have another pregnancy test. I was able to get a sonogram as well and to kind of talk with an options counselor there. Um, and they referred me to a local agency in town who I was able to meet with um, and just kind of start those initial steps um, on making an adoption plan with them. I waited until I had kind of done that piece. And then my parents had found some prenatal vitamins and they had been asking me, oh my gosh, are these yours? And so I said, no, no, no. It's like, they're a friend of mine. It's like, I'm just keeping them because, oh, man. you know, I get a secret. <laughs> but then she started asking some of my friend's parents um, and one of my really close friends, I had already told her mom. And so she said, like, enough is enough. It's time that you tell your parents. I do much better when things are kind of written out. I don't do good on the spot. Like I tend to freeze up. I miss mm -hmm. all of the points I want to say. So I wrote out this big letter and I gave it to them one night with the sonogram pictures and oh. yeah, it was super scary. And what was their response? There was shock. There was anger. There was lots of sadness. And I think throughout the time I was pregnant that I didn't shed many tears during that time. It was my family who I saw cry the most. And my family, I mean, my parents, they were the ones who were so saddened by it. I don't think it was saddened by shame of me. They were sad for what I was going to go through. So were they supportive of the adoption plan you had already started to create? They were very supportive. Yes, they were super supportive. And at that time, I'd already contacted um, a local agency in town. But with my mom being adopted, she was not adamant, but she really wanted me to go with the agency that she was adopted from. Um, and so we ended up going that route. Okay. okay. So you told the birth father. What was his reaction? Was he pretty supportive? Um, how did that go? Was he involved, you know, during the pregnancy? Yes, he was supportive. Um, his initial reaction was, hey, if you want an abortion, like I support mm -hmm. that. Like I told him, no, that is um, it's not something I'm comfortable with. And I really want to make this adoption plan. At that time, this was 14 years ago, we had to have um, a birth father involved here in Texas. They 
had to sign certain legal paperwork for us. We were able to get that all done, I would say early spring. And I think that was something they had wanted done before I started to actually choose a family and move into that part of my adoption journey. Mm -hmm. But he remained kind of in and out of my life throughout the process um, as well. He remained supported the whole time. And did you live at home during this time? I know some agencies offer like dorm programs. Was it something that was offered to you? Like at that time, you know, in my mind, and I think in my parents' minds, if you are young, if you're in high school, and if you get pregnant, you go and live at a maternity home, you know? Like, it's just kind of what you do, even if you don't need that support or whatever. Like, it's just like kind of part of the story and the plan. You know, I think that was something that we must have talked about with the agency early on. Because when I went back to high school at the start um, of the spring semester, on that first day, I checked myself out of school. I turned in all of my books so I could start um, in an Excel program to graduate early. So I could move into this dorm program to where I didn't have to change schools. I was already done. It would kind of be a much smoother transition. I graduated early February of that year. And then I, I moved into the dorm, I think about a month later or so. I was there for two days. <laughs> and I realized once I was there, the support I thought I needed from there, I didn't need after all. I had that at mm. home. I've always been kind of a homebody. So it was really hard for me to leave anyways. It was, um, it was hard for my parents. I have a younger sister as well. It was hard for her. So I was able oh. to go back home um, and live with my family, which I think was the best scenario for mm-hmm. me. So were you um, open about your situation to other family and friends and I guess people in the public? Yeah. So, I mean, all of my family knew, um, all of my friends, all of my community, all of my parents' community, and we were very open. And I think that's something that my parents did really well is they allowed Mm me to tell my story. And I never, ever felt any shame from them or that, hey, this like isn't the right person to tell or the right place or the right time, but they let me like kind of own that and share that. I was able to work um, at a family friend's pizza place once I got home and since I graduated high school already. So like if customers ever asked, oh my gosh, like you're pregnant, I tell them, yeah, I'm making an adoption plan. And I was just always really open about it. I really always got super positive feedback, surprisingly. You know, I had a few like friends or acquaintances weren't very supportive, but it was really on the minor side. Like Mm -hmm. overwhelmingly, it was very positive. That's amazing. I mean, I'm sure part of it is you seem to be so positive about the situation that it it would be hard for an individual, I think, to then come at it with a critical mindset. (laughs) Granted, those people are out there and, you know, they might be doing it out of love for sure. But the fact that you had a family that was so supportive. um, And you're right. I think that, you know, with any type of uncommon situation that you share with somebody, whether, you know, it was the death of a loved one, like, or something more personal, how you say it really kind of prefaces how the other person is going to react, you know? And so if it's like, oh, well, you know, like I'm making this adoption plan, I'm real scared, you know, they're not going to know how to react. I think you're right how I would talk about it. And then even afterwards, how I would talk about it when I shared I placed a child for adoption. I think that helped people feel more comfortable and not off put or not scared of it, you know, or nervous or odd when talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just kind of normalizes it a little bit. Talk about choosing parents. What was that process like? 
What were you looking for? Did you have like a long list or just a couple of things you wanted? I mean, this was 14 years ago, but um, mm -hmm. I mean, I remember being very excited like, to start this process because the reason you're doing this, you know, is like you get to choose mm -hmm. a family and you get to meet them, like all these types of things. And when I first, you know, I think told my parents and I really want things closed. I don't want to know about the child. And it was my mom who really encouraged me. Hey, you're like able to choose the family. You were able to get updates, all these types of things. Like if you don't want updates, I will hold them for you, you know? And so that like kind of opened up some doors for me also. But when I started looking for a family, I really wanted um, a family who was Caucasian and African-American just because that would reflect part of my child's culture. And that was just something that was super important to me at the time. Um, and then I also wanted them to love sports because my family loves sports, like a barbecue. I mean, just like little simple things like that. Like I remember getting a round of profile books um, and going through the families and I'm pretty sure I knew they were the ones right away. I can still like looking back, I can kind of picture two other couples in there that I remember. And I'm always curious, like, I wonder like what happened to them, like what their journey looked like too. I ended up choosing them and I had an initial phone call with them. Um, I was super excited. Like, I remember it going really well. I was able to talk with both of them. We had a lot of commonalities. They were super down to earth. And I think that solidified, okay, I mean, like this like, really is my plan. I mean, this is the family for me. So afterwards, we were able to meet after that. Um, I had my caseworker with us and my parents also joined too. And so they were able to meet them. They would not have wanted it any other way just because we were so like, close as a family. They knew I, well, that we were huge UT fans. This was after Texas had just won the national championship that year. And so they brought me, it was like these copies um, of the newspaper printings of it after it was done. Um, and so that was really sweet. But years Aww. later, my dad was able to get them framed for me. Um, and I got them autographed mm -hmm. by Vince Young. So like, I still have those. How cool. Um, That's awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it was a super sweet day. We were able to take pictures and that was really the last like in-person or direct contact that I ever had with them after that. You know, I don't remember if there was like anything else offered, if I could keep talking to them or if I could meet mm. them again. But like at that time, it was just all I needed from them. You know, I mean, like that was it. Like, I got the support from my family. I didn't need any more confirmation things yeah. like I was kind of good to go. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I want to revisit something you mentioned earlier about your mom encouraging you to do at least semi-open so that you could get mm -hmm. some of those updates. updates. Do you know why she encouraged you to do that rather than closed? Part of it stems from her own adoption journey her just not knowing anything about her biological family and just knowing that she would want to know too. I know how they're doing have updates and but that was it too. But she also didn't want me to miss out also. Yeah. Like I did change my mind, you know, and I did want pictures mm -hmm. or letters and those types of things. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So now take us to the hospital when okay. you went into labor, who was there and, and what that was like. She was born in July. I don't think I was super prepared for the hospital time. Like, I'm not sure why. I don't know if that was due to lack of counseling, if that was due to me being young and just thinking, hey, I got this. I mean, this is what I'm going to do. It's fine. Like, I'll get over it type of deal. Or if it's because I went into the hospital time thinking, oh, I'm not going to have any contact with this baby. And then I changed my mind and I did. So it was not what I'd been prepped for. You know, I'm not really sure. I had my mom. She was there with me in the delivery room and the baby was born. After that, I was there for two days during that time. Um, and the law 
it was still the same then as it is now where a birth mom is able to sign earliest 48 hours. During that 48 hours, I spent the majority of the time with her, essentially. And you originally were not going to have any contact. You weren't going to hold her or see her? That was what I remember, yes. Okay. What made you change your mind? Just being in the moment and realizing that you wanted to meet her? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Yeah. And you're there and it's finally real at that point. You know, it's just kind of been this idea that you have been thinking about and you felt in your body, but now it's real and it's there and she's real. I was curious, you know, I mean, like I'm curious, you know, like, what is this like? I mean, what is she like? It's only such a short period of time. You know, mm-hmm. I also wanted to soak that up too. Who else was at the hospital? Did you have any other visitors? I had some friends come up. I had my sister come up as well. Um, I think some of her friends came around too. I think maybe some other family members, but yeah, like in and out like that. Did um, the birth father come to the hospital at at any point to meet her or see you or anything? Mm -hmm. Okay, He did. After those 48 hours, you talk about signing away the papers, which you did after the 48 hours. What was that experience like for you? During the hospital time, it was not what I expected. Um, It was much, much more difficult for me. I had a very hard time. I was not sleeping. Like I was not getting rest. And that is a huge thing that is just good for anybody going through something difficult. It was very hard. I was very emotional. I think there were probably times where I was wavering a little bit too. And I wouldn't say I was really wavering on that, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take her home. I'm going to parent. I think I was stuck in those what ifs, like, how am I going to do this now? You know, it's like, she's here and this is so hard. How do I do this? How do I move forward? And just being stuck in that and not being able to see out of that grief, if that makes sense. We had a very close family friend who was a social worker and she worked at the high school I went to. And she was actually one of the counselors at the high school who worked with pregnant women. So I had kind of been working with her like throughout my pregnancy I and mean, she was really close family friends. I remember having her come up and I mean, she was counseling with me, helping me through it. And, and at one point I remember my mom having some type of conversation with me, like, Asha, like, what are you thinking? Like, mm-hmm. you can't bring this child home. You know, it's like, it's not what we're going to do. I mean, she was not forcing me to do this like in any way, but she was speaking that rational mind I needed mm-hmm. when I could not think past like how hard it was and just not what I expected at mm-hmm. all. Like I was just not prepared for that. So signing, it was difficult. Um, like I remember like, more shut down that morning and just mm-hmm. kind of going through the motions. Like that's what we got to do. I was probably just real quiet and aloof. Like she was born at 1044 on a Friday morning. Um, and so I signed on a Sunday morning. Um, And so I remember doing that in the room with my caseworker, and then I was able to have some private time with her. And then I just wheeled her out into the hallway and just walked away with my parents. Did the adoptive parents come and see you? Did you, did you want them at all in the hospital experience? How how did that go? I had gone into it, not wanting them to be at the hospital. Um, and did not take placement from the hospital. I just did not want to be a part of that, essentially. And so, no, I was not a part of placement. When I had met them for that lunch, it was the last time I ever saw them in person. Like, so after the baby was discharged, my caseworker drove her back to the agency, and they took placement there. Yeah, so you didn't want to be part of placement at all. Okay. That would be too hard. And yeah. that was what I had initially planned like prior to how hard the hospital time was. Talking about post-adoption, I mean, 
it's been 14 years now. Walk us through those first even few months, few years post-placement. I would say the first several years were very hard. So I had her early July and then I had to go out to freshman orientation at the college I was going to attend. And then Mm -hmm. I started college just a couple weeks later. It was very hard and I've always been kind of a homebody. And during my freshman year, I was probably home like almost every weekend just because that was like, it was almost like, I guess like my comfort place, but um, it was really hard. And like just the grief, you know, going through that um, and just being stuck. I do know that a really difficult thing I dealt with though, was what I thought was shame I put my parents through and what they had to deal with. I dealt with a lot of guilt, guilt, is a better word than shame. I had a lot of guilt for that. That had stuck with me for years. Mm-hmm. And just going through that, like in my head, having conversations with them too. Yeah, like it was super difficult for a few years. But I was always really open with people about it though too. Not that it was hard, but what I had done. And if I had pictures, I would share those pictures. Like I was so proud of those pictures. Sure. And I don't think I opened up my first update at least for a few months. And I think I had like two or three from the family by that time. But those were something that I always cherished. I made like a little baby book, like in the early years, like with all the pictures in it, just to keep them safe. Seeing her happy and them happy, that really helped my sadness turn into pride. Yeah. You know, like into being proud of what I did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Something I like that you touched on, I think can often be overseen within a story is, our actions affect others and how, you know, similarly my family was involved and I've had to deal with, you know, the guilt of what they had to go through parents grieving, being a grandparent in the traditional sense, you know, and and my sister is being aunts. I mean, and, and to this day they get emotional about it. And so it's very real that there are other people involved, you know, in this story Mm. to to different degrees, of course, and some people more than others but that you experienced that as well with your family and understood the impact of that. Now take us through, you said you had updates. How long did you have those updates for? So back then things looked a lot differently. So um, I only received updates for about the first five years. That was what I was prepped for. That was what, I mean, worked for me. It was like all I knew. So it was wonderful. I mean, I loved every update. I cherished every update. They, would always show up on time. So I always knew kind of when to expect them or when my mom, I may reach out and say, hey, you know, um, it's like you got something in the mail. That just always meant like a whole lot. And I mean, they always did a great job like sending updates. I got lots of pictures. I got lots of good information. So it was really neat. You mentioned that you only got them the first five years. Why, Why did it stop? Do you know why it stopped or... That was how the post-adoption agreements were done back then. You would receive updates for the first five years. And then after Mm -hmm. that, you then had to request if you wanted more. I just thought in my mind, I think it's for the first five years. I didn't realize I could request more type of deal, but that's Mm -hmm. all I knew. And it worked for me. I didn't know any different until I started working for the same agency I placed for. And I kind of learned, oh, okay, that's what happened. And that's how things were done. Okay. And it kind of made more sense. That wasn't something that was told to you that you could do after the first five years. What I remember, I just thought it is only for the first five years. 
Mm-hmm. And that's just what I thought it was. And that's, yeah. like, I was okay with that. I thought it's a steal. It's a bargain. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I didn't know any different. It was great for me. So has it been since so almost nine years ago that you have heard or received an update or have spoken to them? No. So I actually got an update about two years ago, actually. Um, and that was my first update since that time. Um, and what had happened is that my dad had approached me and said that him and my mother wanted to see if they could help with her college funds somehow. And because they do that with all the other grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And it was just something they were curious about and they wanted to do. So I talked to some people at the agency that I work for and to see if it would even be appropriate to even reach out to them. Cause I was, I was very nervous about it. I was worried that they would think we were trying to overstep boundaries. I mean, I just didn't know how they would take that, you know, cause it's money, but like I didn't want them to like ever feel they then owed us something back or that she owed us something. Right. So I was real hesitant about it. But then one of my coworkers was able to reach out and they had just a beautiful response they were thrilled I mean they were saying I mean she will absolutely go to college I mean we would I mean Mm -hmm. love this we are so grateful and so my parents are able to contribute on a regular Mm -hmm. basis and during that time I was able to ask hey like would they send an update and I think her mom even offered to do that so I got an update then um, and then I wrote them back as well and I shared the pictures of my four-year-old just because they look a lot alike and I mean just shared you know oh. like I'm married now I have yeah. a daughter I mean here's what you know I've been able to do here are my interests you know and just like kind of share like I'm so thankful for you guys you know yeah that's amazing that's great you mentioned you know you're married and, and have a daughter and soon to be two daughters what was that journey like? You know, Mathani and I are, are both engaged and about to embark on that journey. And I know I have a lot of fears. I, mean, I, I had fears of if I would ever even meet someone again. But what was that like? Did you have any of those fears walking into that part and season of your life? I never had any fears of, you know, am I going to find somebody? I think I always had fears. Oh my gosh, like what if I can't have children again? I placed the only child I could ever have. But with my husband, we met very early on in college, like early freshman year, actually. And so he has known about that from like the very beginning. And it just like came up in casual conversation type of deal. But we had met freshman year and then we lost touch for a few years and then started dating our senior year of college. It's something that he's always known. So it was never this like white elephant in the room or this secret that I was hiding and then I someday had to tell him and then figure out how I mean he would react and those types of things so that I think kind of helped there what was probably hard is that birth was linked to a trauma like of placing a child for adoption Mm -hmm. and that's kind of all I knew about birth was that trauma and then you don't have a child so will I be able to bond with her because I didn't get to I mean like I did but it was different so I did have those fears too and I remember after I had my four-year-old daughter you know like in the weeks afterwards it was like this weird mind game which like it just could have been like weird postpartum stuff but like in my mind I would like call her by the daughter I place name so like it was this weird like I guess like a weird grief thing, but it felt really real, like at the mm-hmm. time. Well, I'm sure it's a trigger. I mean, you talk about yeah. the only other comparison you have is that one experience. So it makes sense that anytime we do anything more than once, we refer back to our previous experiences. To hear you talk about that, I think gives validation, I'm sure, to a lot of people. 
And now that you mentioned that, um, and I totally forgotten this, all of my pregnancies have happened at the exact same time, at the exact same time of year. That is something that's always been interesting to where even like on the years after I had her, and this could have been like a strange, like psychological thing, I would feel like I would like always start to have like morning sickness. So that has brought up memories too. Like are certain things like that, that has brought up some old feelings and has been triggering at times. And, you know, I started to see a counselor about like a year and a half ago, probably. And I remember like her asking me if I have ever like experienced any type of trauma. And like I told her, like, I don't think so. You know, I mean, like it's been like pretty good. And she said, well, you don't think that placing a child for adoption is a trauma? And I said, hmm, well, you know what? Maybe you're right. I mean, like, <laughs> I work in adoption. Like, I had never mm. I thought to myself, you know, mm. experienced a trauma. No. Uh-uh. We've talked about this before, Mathani and I, where it's so, so much harder to attribute things to yourself I've always thought so highly of Mathani and think she is so strong and brave and all of those things. And Ashley, I would consider what you went through definitely a trauma, but it's so funny that we struggle to attribute those things to ourselves. We try to minimize Mm. it almost. Yeah. You know, if it's not as legitimate as it is. And so a year and a half ago, so you had never been to counseling post-placement. Was that not offered 14 years ago with that agency? I don't remember. You know, honestly, I don't remember if it was offered, but no, I, you know, like I'd never really gone to true counseling. Um, I tried in college at, um, at the student resource center, but Mm -hmm. it was nothing that I ever stuck with, but no, it's not something that like I really ever did. When I talked to that family friend I mentioned earlier, who was a social worker, I think like I was in social work school. I like had to reach out to her and ask her about something. There was something with counseling brought up and she said, you know what, I think that's where we failed you during that time, you know, is that Mm. we didn't set you up with the counselor and set you up to have those tools that you would have needed. And, you know, it's like, you're just like trying to like survive during that, you know, and your parents, you know, it's like, they're taking advice from other people and they're doing the best they can with the situation they have at hand. And, you know, you just don't know. Do you ever um, go to like any support groups or like were you, did you know other birth moms that you could like talk to? Whenever I first found out I was pregnant, my dad shared that his sister had placed a baby for adoption back in the 60s. Um, and so my aunt has. Um, and so I was able to talk um, and to connect with her. We talk about it, but it, she's not somebody I'd go to support for about it. Right. And it could be because it was a different time back then. She now has a relationship with her daughter. I don't know. It's just very different. But when I started to work for the agency that I worked for, they did have a support group that I would attend. And so I would go there when I could. Um, I started to fall off more once I had my own family, just because it's so hard to be able to get out at certain Mm -hmm. times and to like attend meetings, like whenever you have a child that you're parenting and caring for. But um, yeah, I mean, going to those support groups is really nice though. Um, It was neat being able to connect with other women. And there's one girl I met in particular, we actually were at the dorm for the same time. Like when I was there for those those two days, I've met, I mean, like various women over the years. I mean, now working for an agency also, like you just come in contact. I mean, just like you guys, you know? Like you just come in contact with people. So it's been neat being able to learn the different journeys. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, has your view on adoption, you think evolved at all going from being a birth mom to now a birth mom that's a caseworker? 
Anything change your perspective on it? When I started studying social work, it was always my goal to either work with pregnant teens or work in adoption. And the ultimate goal was to work at an adoption agency. In my little mind, I thought it's women just like me who place. They are in high school. They, you know, have great families. Everything's stable. It is like all clean cut, easy peasy. Mm-hmm. Like this is just what you do. And that was a very eye-opening position because that is not the norm these days. I mean, that was years and years ago. Most of the clients I worked with were not women who were like me. They were women who had seen hard times, had been through a lot, who did not have loving families, who did not have supportive families. So it was just very eye-opening on all levels too, just like a human level. You know, it's like because you're being exposed to things you have never been exposed to before. But you then also have stories like mine where it can be anybody. Like somebody within your own support network. So you started off as a expectant mom caseworker mm-hmm. and now you're working with hopeful adoptive parents. How was that shift? Like how was, how has being a birth mom affected that kind of new role? You know, what's funny is that whenever I was making the transition into this role, you know, it's like you have staff or people who may be worried, like, how are you going to deal being a birth mom, but then working with adoptive parents? And like, what if like somebody says something that offends you? It's kind of hard to offend me because I can understand, okay, like I know where that person's coming from or, you know, like it's a lack of education or these types of things. So Mm -hmm. it's funny how that was prefaced. And I'm like, I've already been a birth parent here working. If I was going to be offended, I would have been offended already. It is nothing personal against me at all. You know, it's like these conversations have to be had. I think it's been um, a pretty cool shift because I've gotten to see both sides of it now, essentially. Mm -hmm. I've got to see the birth parent journey um, and now the adoptive parent journey. And what brings those together um, is typically loss. It's a loss of a child and the loss of being able to form a family in a lot of situations. So I think that's kind of unique is that's what's bringing these people together. What I feel like it has allowed me to do is kind of normalize the birth mom. Mm. And I do have to have conversations with adoptive parents about certain situations. I think it allows me to have that inner perspective just to kind of talk through things on a more real level and a more honest level with them. But then also do a lot of educating too on just why people may have certain stigmas regarding birth parents. You know, I just have a good time doing that. Yeah, I would love to hear what are some of the probably most common fears that adoptive parents have? You know, people talk about them all the time, but what have, what's your experience been of what mm. that is? I'd say a lot of families just a little bit of a guard up regarding the birth mom. Um, and not all of them do. We have a lot of families who have done a lot of education or they know somebody who has adopted and they have a relationship with their birth mom or they have a sister who was a birth mom. But you do have some who who have a lot of fears. And I think that comes from their own attachment fears and that security mm-hmm. with that child. You have some, like you may still have that fear, you know, like what if the birth mom tries to come back? I can take the child. And this is usually like initial fears, like when they're first going like through our process and learning about adoption. It's not yeah. like when they're with a caseworker, you know, we do a lot of education up front. We still have some people who are scared of what if the child they adopt, what if that child wants to leave them and go back to their birth parents, you know, mm-hmm. and that fear of wanting that biological connection over that motherly connection they had with the adoptive mom or father. 
Mm, yeah, so we see that too. And just the boundaries on just like how to do it, how to navigate that with the birth mom. I think they're scared because they've never done it before. So mm-hmm. you have this guard of thinking that a birth mom may try to overstep boundaries or just how do you do it? How do you, like, how does it even work out? And I think the majority of our families are, they are so pleasantly surprised at how natural it comes when they either have a phone call with their birth mom or they meet their birth mom for the first time or they're having that relationship with her. The majority are so surprised and so excited on just how well it's going and just how natural it feels. And I think the more we normalize what adoption is today and the more we educate the fears will lessen, you know, like obviously there's always going to be some level of fear of the unknown, but absolutely with with um, everything. Yeah. Yeah. With everything. But I think education is key. Well, and the reality too is open adoption is becoming more common Mm -hmm. and birth mothers are wanting open adoption more. And so it's so important for these fears to be addressed with Mm -hmm. potential adoptive parents because they had these fears before open adoption even was a concept really, mm-hmm. or, yeah, you know, was an option. So it's even more important when entering an open adoption to have that. And I'm curious because, you know, you had the semi-open adoption and had contact mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, but has that changed your view at all on your situation? No, I mean, honestly, it hasn't. Um, I mean, not in a negative way at all. That is what I knew and it's what worked for me. I don't know what that would have looked like. I may not have been healthy enough mm. for an open adoption. I would, I feel like I would want to leave that up to her. I mean, that's where my mind is right now, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And from what I have interacted with her family, like via letters, I feel like they have a very kind heart regarding adoption. Um, and regarding birth parents. So I have never once worried about her. I've never once thought, is she okay? I just think she's like, she's where she needs to be. Yeah. So how are you intending? And if you even have a plan for this, your daughter's um, only four years old, but how do you intend on telling your other daughters about the child you had at, you know, 17, 18 years old? You know, I'm not entirely sure yet. What I do hope is that, you know, it's something that I would do gradually over time because like you said, she's four. And if I were to tell her right now that she has a sister, I mean, like she thinks her best friend is her sister and that her cousin (laughs) is her brother. So she's not going to have a good understanding, you know? So I think it will just all evolve with with age appropriate things. I would hope that I could do it um, in a caring way, in a loving way. You know, I would never want her to have to go through this essentially. You know, I would never want her to think, well, I mean, if I were to get pregnant, I'll just make an adoption plan. Like that's not something that I would ever want for her or for a friend or for a sister, you know, like it's not having an unplanned pregnancy, regardless if you're going to parent or not, it's stressful, it's scary, you know, Mm -hmm. all the things. So I would hope I could educate a little, but you know, I would hope I'd be able to answer her questions and do it in a positive light. And, you know, hopefully she will have that understanding like over the years too. And I have more dialogue about it. Yeah. That's something that I think we could use certainly more resources and guidance on, you know, I have a half sister that was placed. So I am that daughter that my mom later had that, you know, had to tell. And, you know, she talked about how 
there was no, there were no books, there was no aid on it. And I, and maybe there are some out there and I hope there is because there's so many children books out there, which is good for adoptees. Someone needs to write a children's book of how to explain (laughs) all of the connections and all the things. Maybe there's a reason it hasn't been written yet. I will write one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is there anything you wish you had known coming into this process? Anything you wish you'd known when you were pregnant? Anything you you wish you'd have known as you became a birth mom, you know, post-placement? Of course, I wish I would have known how hard it was going to be so I could prepare Mm -hmm. for that. Um, because that has impacted me for years. But also looking back, I was 17 slash 18. If you would have told me, I don't even know if I would have listened. <laughs> I was immature. Like in the hospital, I didn't even know I was supposed to change the baby's diaper. Like I thought people did it for me. I mean, I yeah, was- Yeah, no. <laughs> no. No, they don't. I mean, the nurse had to come in there and tell me I had to learn how to feed the baby. I mean, I didn't know how to do anything. I was clueless. There's really nothing that I think anybody could have told me I wish that I would have had a different level of maturity back then. I was mature, but I wish I would have had a different mindset as well on some things, just because I think that would have made some aspects of the journey a little easier, if that makes sense. I mean, I still wouldn't take it back. I would do it again. I mean, it's not something I would ever change. It has put me on this path. It has put her on the path I feel that she was meant to be on, but no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything still. That's awesome. That's awesome. Sounds like your daughter is in a beautiful place and so are you. Oh, thank baby, you. Mm-hmm. Another baby girl coming in a couple yeah. weeks. Yeah, maybe sooner. We'll oh see. my goodness. I know. <laughs> it's going to be sooner by my friends and family. So, oh. <laughs> Well, congratulations again with that. And thank yeah. you so much for joining us. Yeah. It's our first guest. This was huge. We respect you tremendously. And I hope everyone got as much out of it as we have. So yes. thank you everyone for listening and stay tuned for another episode next week. We'll see you next week. Birth Mothers Amplified is brought to you by the Gladney Center for Adoption and Adoption.com. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Birth Mothers Amplified. The views expressed may not represent the views of this program or sponsors and should not substitute seeking the advice of licensed professionals. To speak with an adoption counselor, please call 1-800-236-7898. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.